to Genesis chapter 4, please. Genesis chapter 4, we're going to look beginning in verse 1 on this day. As we consider the sanctity of, of human life and how God would have us to respond to that. Genesis chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but not Cain and his offering. He had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Ever since the fall, we have faced a world that is not as it was originally. A world as it was not intended to be. Adam and Eve have committed sin against the Lord, and now their sons, Cain and Abel, are at enmity with one another. And if we know anything about what it means to worship God, we must know his heart. And here are Cain and Abel. We don't know a whole lot about Abel. Abel as a shepherd. He offers to the Lord the very best of what he has. The Bible tells us that Abel brought of his first fruits to the Lord, but Cain did not. Now, why was Abel's offering accepted and Cain's not? Well, the Scripture doesn't really tell us. But apparently, Abel gives of the very best he had. Cain does not give of the first fruits. But it's not so much the gift that is in question here as it is the intention of the giver. The problem is Cain's heart isn't in the right place. Matter of fact, when God doesn't accept his offering, he begins to complain and says, Is this not good enough? Cain doesn't realize that the offering belongs to the Lord. He thinks what belongs to God belongs to him, and he ends up worshiping the reward rather than the rewarder. Let me tell you something. When we begin to worship someone or something other than God, that's where the problem starts. Somewhere in our society, we've stopped worshiping God and started worshiping sex which he created as good within his protective boundaries. That's why pornography is one of the largest industries in the world. That's where you get no-fault divorce, do whatever you want, have sex with whomever you want, do it all, because you are the ultimate determiner of your own happiness rather than the one who created you. So when we fail to worship God on his terms, we'll do almost anything to keep him off the throne of our hearts. 
And when someone tells you it's your body and you can do what you want with it, understand that logic completely denies the Creator's ownership of His creature. And therein lies the heart of the problem. It's the problem of the heart. It takes men designed to be protectors and turns them into predators. It takes women created to be virtuous and turns them toward violence. And the problem is when you begin to doubt the goodness of God, you begin to doubt the Word of God. That's exactly the tactic that Satan employs on Eve in the garden. Did God really say, are you not free to choose? Maybe God is hiding something from you. Maybe He doesn't want you to know what He knows. And that's the bait. To get us to believe that God is a God of prevention rather than a God of protection, that God is somehow a denier of pleasure rather than the ultimate source of pleasure. We have to know the heart of God that every single person has been created in His image and is therefore worthy of dignity. Not only must we know God's heart, though, but we also have to know our own heart. Cain falls at the level of sin with all of us, his indignation and his pride. And then he goes and he murders his brother. Severs ties with the siblings, severing ties with the creator of the earth. But Cain's problem is not simply that he commits murder, although we would all say that's a problem. Cain's main issue is that he is defacing someone that does not belong to him. He is taking a life that is not his to take. It belongs to the Creator. You know, there's a ruthlessness in our society outside of the presence of God. You think about all of the technology that is available today that wasn't available 100 years ago. It used to take you two months to cross the ocean to get to the other side of the world. You can do it now in six hours used to take you forever to be able to talk to someone on the other side of the world. You can do that instantaneously, many cases for free. The internet, communications, all of the things that we have available. You would think that we have progressed as a society, wouldn't you? You would think, man, we've got it better than they did a long time ago. And yet, the last 100 years, with all of those advances, is the bloodiest in human history. 86 million people died in wars fought from 1900 to 1989. That's 2,500 people every day, 100 people every hour for 90 years. One of the tragedies of war is that it dehumanizes people made in the image of God. Even beyond that, in addition to those killed in war, government-sponsored genocide, mass murder killed approximately 120 million people. You think, well, we've got a better handle on that now than we did a few years ago. Do we? There were more murders in Chicago last year than in New York and Los Angeles combined. Unless you think the problem is weapons, Chicago has the tightest gun control laws in any city in this country. The problem is the heart. Isn't it tragically ironic that the world's oldest corpse was a murder victim, Abel. These are difficult things to talk about, but they need to be said. It is horrifying to live in a society where you are safer on death row, where you can appeal and have 18 to 25 years before your sentence is carried out. You are safer on death row than you are in your mother's womb. The judgment of God rests on that. 
God asked Adam this question as well. He says, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? And God gives him a devastating response. Hear this, the voice of your brother's blood is crying from the ground. See, this enmity between Satan and the woman, between his followers and her offspring, is revealed throughout the Bible and is ever present today. It's the voice of Brahma, Rachel, weeping for her children because they are no more. It's Pharaoh killing the firstborn son. It's Herod reacting in the same manner as Pharaoh does, raging against the people of God, attempting to kill Jesus. And they rage against this because whenever the people rage against God, children are almost always caught in the middle of it. So Moses has to tell the people, don't offer your infants to Moloch, the God that they worship. And John tells us in Revelation that this goes beyond even our time because there is a dragon and a woman who he is after because she has a child. The enmity between Satan and the seed of the woman which will bruise his heel but be crushed on his head. This is what Psalm 127 says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. See, Satan understands something about children that you and I don't recognize, that in them are the least of these, the brothers and sisters of Christ. See, whenever you turn God's blessing into a burden, you've made the same choice as Adam and Eve. You've got the same theology as Cain. The end of that theology always leads to hell. When you fail to worship God on His terms, it will destroy you. The ones you love, you begin to hate. Your gratitude becomes ingratitude. Your humility turns to sinful pride. And before you know it, the voice of your Savior's blood is crying from the ground. I don't know about you, my Facebook feed is often at, at odds with different friends. I've got some friends from from college who have different worldviews, different religious beliefs than I do. And so whenever election time rolls around, I'll see things that I normally wouldn't see from people that I necessarily attend church with. One of the things that was up a couple of weeks ago was from a friend of mine who's a good person I knew in college. She had a shirt on that said, I support reproductive women's rights. She's got part of it right. She's a sincere person. We believe that women do have rights. And indeed, part of the problem in this country and around the world is we've attempted to suppress those. We've attempted women's right to vote, their right to, to, right to work, and all of these other things. And God forgive us for doing such a thing. But we also have to understand that there's not simply one person's rights at stake. There are two people's rights, the woman and the baby. Isn't it interesting that if a woman who is pregnant is killed, God forbid, it's always ruled as a double homicide. Why is that? Because the culture recognizes something that they attempt to deny. Even look at how the argument is framed. This past week, the Kentucky legislature passed a law saying that it was illegal to have an abortion after 20 weeks. But, but I want you to think about this. The argument is that somehow 20 weeks is long enough for a fetus to develop a soul. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. A fetus doesn't develop a soul. It is a soul. We know that a fetus is different from a set of tonsils. It's different from a body part. Instead, it's given to us from God. God says in his word, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He says that to all of us. 
But I want you to see in the middle of all this that God's grace is available. It's available like Paul, who was a murderer and God turned him around. It's available to the best grandparents in this world. We're all in the same boat. Human beings bearing the image of God. And I want you to see what happens to Abel. We think Abel is silent. You heard the voice. You can silence the voices, but you can't stop the song, lyrics that were sung earlier. That's the story of Abel, because in Hebrews 11, the Bible says that the word of God's son still speaks on Abel's behalf. Here's something that we cannot do. Listen to me, church. What we cannot do is condemn young girls and women who get pregnant out of wedlock. Church has been guilty of that. We have to speak the truth, but we got to do it in love. Do you know that 75% of everyone in this country, 70% rather, 70% of everyone in this country who has abortions, do you know who they identify as? They identify as Christians. So is the problem really out there? Where's the problem in here? Because we haven't learned to welcome them. And we've got to figure out what is it that these women fear. In some cases, it's a fear of being able to provide. In other cases, it's fear of the environment by which they are surrounded. Many times the boyfriend or the husband has left them out to dry and has abused them. It's a fear of stigmatism. If I walk into a church, what will people say about me? God help us to love them as Christ has loved us. And to anyone here today, I don't know your story or background. Most of the time, that kind of stuff is private. But I just want to say to anyone here today who has had an abortion or who knows someone who has had an abortion, please hear me on this and hear it loud and well. There is nothing on this earth, nothing on this earth, that God cannot totally and completely forgive. I promise you that. And you don't have to live in guilt because God has, just as he has the world in his hands, he has little babies in his hands too. And in Christ, you'll see them again one day. I want to give us three points of action. I've talked about these before, and then I want to ask us to gather together to pray because I think that's going to be important for us as we close out the service. Number one, let me encourage you in this. I don't often tell people who to vote for. I won't do it today. I'm not telling you to vote Republican or Democrat or Independent. I would strongly encourage you to vote pro-life, whatever that person's party. You say, well, there's a variety of issues that I vote on. Maybe you vote on war. Maybe you vote on the economy, whatever. I don't think any issue suppresses the value of life like the issue of abortion. Because how we view the image of God affects every area of our life. And listen, you have to be pro-life in every area of life. It's not enough just to say I'm against abortion. We've also got to help the poor. We've got to care for the elderly. If we're not making provision for the widow and parenting the orphan, we're not being pro-life. That leads me to my second point, to support adoption and foster care. It is not enough for you to say you're against abortion. You have to say yes to adoption. God has called us to adopt and care for those and to say to those who are in distress, whatever you cannot handle, we will help. We need to financially help women who are caught in difficult circumstances, whereas if we were in the same environment, we might end up making the same choice if we knew what they were facing. And so on January 29th, two Sundays from today, Dale Settles, who's president of Sunrise Children's Services, large Baptist 
home working in those areas will be with us to talk about adoption and foster care. So if you've got friends who family who are interested in that, have them here two weeks from today. But then the third thing is I want us to have a time of corporate prayer. Listen, I pray that there will be a day coming when we view abortion in the same way as we view slavery. But the only way that's going to happen is not simply you and I to tell the world what we're against, but we have to tell them what we're for. We're for salvation in Christ. We're for people receiving the aid that they need. We're for the church, rather than staring at people and being judgmental, being the arms of Christ, being His hands and feet. And so I know this may make us a little bit uncomfortable, won't force you to participate if you don't want to, but I'm going to ask us right now, if we would get into groups of about five people or so, and we're going to spend about five minutes in prayer. Dave is going to come and lead us, and then we're going to sing a song. Uh, again, not forcing you to do this, but we're going to pray for a couple of things. We're going to pray for women who are going through difficult circumstances. We're going to pray for our government, and we're going to pray for our country. God would support us in, in advocating for all of life. So would you do that? Let's gather together in, gr in groups of about five people or so. Dave's going to come and lead us in Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.